Space Directive 1 tells us we're going to the moon and then on to Mars. What are our next steps? Let's talk to the expert that's making the plans. Hi, I'm Jim Green, Chief Scientist at NASA, and this is Gravity, Gravity Assist. Assist. This season is all about the moon. With me today is Stephen Clark, the Deputy Associate Administrator for Exploration at NASA. What a fantastic title and job that is. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Jim. Well, today I want to talk about NASA's approach to getting down to the surface of the moon and doing some fantastic science. You know, it really got going and got interesting when on December 11, 2017, President Trump signed the Space Policy Directive 1. Now, that's a really important approach for us. You know, he's challenging NASA to lead an innovative and sustainable program of exploration using commercial groups and international partners. And it's all about going to the moon and then on to Mars. So this is, uh, this is really an exciting time. And, and Stephen, you were right there when that happened and you got involved in this. Tell us a little bit about what happened next. Well, the whole idea of going uh, back to the moon, or as as we like to say, going forward to the moon, is has been exciting, and it, and it's been something that we've been planning uh, for many years. But we're actually going to go do it differently this time, which is even more exciting than when it has been in the past. Um, we're partnering with commercial industry in ways we have not done before. And what's particularly exciting about it from uh, my position is I'm working with companies who are going to build small lunar landers and deliver payloads to the surface of the moon. And we, NASA, are essentially buying a ride. We that are, sounds really neat. Well, and, and we plan to be one of many customers, not just the only customer here. So, you know, there are companies out there that are uh, talking with these lander development companies to take all kinds of different things to the surface of the moon. And uh, we're pretty excited about uh, working with these companies and uh, sending the first mission up there uh, here soon in the next couple of years. So the strategy then is to connect with the commercial companies. Well, you know, the commercial companies, you know, they've been at this actually for a couple of years. That started with the Google X Prize. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what happened in that? So from what I understand, a number of companies made it through various hoops that they had to and passed through different gates to continue to get funding from the Google XPRIZE Foundation. Uh, but ultimately, one winner was not selected. Yeah, so that was all about if you can make it to the moon, you get a prize at the end. That's right. But some of these companies continued their concept and development work. And right. they went out and talked to various venture capitalists and other investors and continued their vision of building commercial lunar landers. Well, you know, in a way, that Google Lunar X Prize concept really started that in the sense that it made that investment. And, and even though we didn't have a winner, the concept is still very valid. And, and it's international. There's a number of uh, groups that are doing this on an international basis, too. Yes, that's what I understand. And, and actually, some of them have reached out to me at various conferences and We've started just talking about some uh, perspective ways we might be able to uh, partner or collaborate here in the future. 
So now we're at the stage where, you know, we've got a, a number of companies that are moving in that direction. We want to join with them. We want to help them. Uh, we want to put instruments uh, on their systems. Uh, and so we had to do something to connect with them. We created a program. We call it CLIPS, right? CLIPS, that's right. So what short. does CLIPS stand for and what does it really do? All right. Well, you know, we love acronyms, right? And so that's what, uh, that's what NASA does. CLIPS, C-L-P-S, stands for Commercial Lunar Payload Services. Ah. And, and the key here is commercial and services. NASA will be providing instruments and technology demonstration payloads to one or more of these companies that we award delivery services to, and then we will provide these instruments to them. They will integrate them into their landers, and they are responsible for securing the launch and transporting our instruments or technology demonstration payloads to the surface of the moon so that then we can operate them. That sounds cool. But the first step was, of course, selecting the companies. So we, we put out a call for uh, anybody who would be interested in providing these services to NASA. And there were a number of requirements they had to, to meet in order to be awarded these contracts. And what's different about this is, particularly from the science side of NASA, um, this is a really a unique way we're acquiring services instead of just contracting out to a company or companies to build hardware for NASA. We don't own this hardware. We, we are just literally buying a ride. So these companies had to pass through um, some of the uh, requirements um, on this call that we put out. It's basically a catalog. And these companies had to meet the requirements to be awarded to be on this catalog. And now what that means is anytime we would like to uh, send instruments to the surface of the moon, we can put out what we call a task order to all of these companies, and there are nine of them, by the way, on the catalog, and they can choose to bid on these or not, and then we will assess uh, their proposals and select a company to take our instruments uh, and take them to the surface of the moon. So who are the nine companies? So uh, Astrobotic Technologies, Deep Space Systems, Draper, Firefly Aeronautics, Intuitive Machines, Lockheed Martin Space, Mastin Space Systems, Moon Express, and Orbit Beyond. Okay, just a wonderful group. I'm just really happy about that. Now, are they all are they all landers or is there some rovers in there? So what's interesting about this, the CLIPS, what I'll call it, is it's not just limited to landers. We will be looking to uh, what we call on-ramp onto the CLIPS catalog capabilities um, that other companies or even these original nine companies will provide, such as rovers, like you mentioned, orbital uh, assets. You know, we're looking at uh, potentially doing science from low lunar orbit or even uh, communications and data relay uh, satellites that can then provide a, a data link between the instruments that are on the surface and the Earth so that they can download and transmit those data to Earth. So, yes, this is a very broad capability-based effort that we're doing with CLIPS, and uh, we'll be looking forward to bringing on more capable assets onto this uh, as what we call on-ramps. Okay, that sounds really neat. But, you know, as you think about this, does this also open the, up the far side of the moon? You know, we NASA's never put anything on the far side of the moon. In fact, I, I would say we probably know more about the surface of Venus than we do the far <laughs> side of the moon. And so we have a lot to learn there. 
Yes, this certainly is, is going to open up the entire surface of the moon. Uh, and the companies that are now on the CLIPS contract, they will be able to land anywhere on the moon. And so what we will do, as if you want to fast forward maybe a, a couple years into the future here, when we put out one of those task orders I mentioned, we may have a specific area on the moon that we'd like to go to, such as you mentioned, the far side or one of the poles. Um, and so we'll put out our task order and say, all right, we would like to go to this location on the moon. We want to take these instruments, these payloads. Uh-huh. Please uh, let us know if you're interested. And if so, um, you know, what would be the cost? When can you go? And then, uh, you know, just like any other um, contract, we would assess and select a winner and uh, off we go. We recently selected 12 payloads that are being provided by various NASA centers. And we put out a, a call to the centers asking for instruments that are near ready or, or ready to fly right now so that we would have instruments ready to go when the commercial landers are ready to go. And so we selected those. Um, and we also put out a call um, to the entire outside world as well, including academia and anybody else outside of NASA to provide instruments as well. And in fact, we got the final proposals in and we're going to be looking to award those in the spring of this year. So we are building up a pipeline of, of payloads and instruments uh, to take to the surface of the moon. And as the, the commercial landers are ready to go, then uh, we're, we're looking forward to uh, flying those instruments. In fact, we'll be releasing the first um, what I'll call task order to those nine companies on the CLIPS contract late spring. So uh, we're, we're excited about the progress we're making. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I'm delighted that we're moving this rapidly. I know the science community is really excited about that too. So uh, that's really produced quite the buzz, but I perceive that's just the start. You know, there's a number of other things that are going on. What's the next steps that we need to be uh, uh, looking out for? Well, so we're working very closely with the Human Spaceflight uh, Directorate and also the Space Technology Mission Directorate within NASA. And uh, as, as a lot of folks know that the uh, Gateway, which is the orbital platform that we're going to put in uh, what we call a near rectilinear halo orbit, um, Sounds neat. We're, we're, uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a platform uh, to do science. It's going to be a unique platform to do that. And we're already talking about uh, uh, being able to put instruments on the outside of, of the uh, gateway. Um, and for the human space flight side, this is going to be an important platform where we can actually uh, fly crews there. And, and by the way, this is going to be mostly an autonomous platform. It is not going to require uh, human... Uh, to operate or maintain it on board. Um, All the time, but there will be humans. But there will be humans there, Mm -hmm. and they'll go, and um, Orion will take them there. And then what we'll be able to do is um, we can then transfer crews to the human landers that's docked to the gateway and then land on the surface of the moon. And then what's also good about this is then when the crew is ready to come back up, we'll have a reusable ascent stage that's in the plan to come back up to Gateway. We could potentially refuel that there. Um, So this is going to be a very beneficial platform, not just from a human exploration standpoint, but from a science standpoint as well. And we can test out technologies that we want to be able to feed forward for our first human exploration of Mars. 
So human exploration is building that capsule that looks like Apollo. It's completely different though. And it's called the Orion spacecraft, mm -hmm. you know, and that, so that's, that's coming along really, really well. And they're building elements of that gateway. In fact, international partners uh, would like to join us. So what's happened uh, with international partners joining us on the gateway recently? The uh, Canadian Prime Minister announced that he is supporting the Canadian Space Agency's efforts in a, in a long-term agreement with NASA to actually provide a robotic arm for the Gateway. It's a key piece that, that we need uh, for various reasons. It's been very beneficial to have those uh, arms in, on the ISS. And so, also done by Canada. Also done by Canada. Just like they were on the shuttle. I was just going to say. Also done by Canada. We have a long-standing <laughs> relationship with with our, our Canadian partners yeah. on on going forward with uh, our various um, space exploration initiatives. So, we were excited uh, that that came out, um, and certainly we're talking to our other partners too. The partners that we developed through the International Space Station, we're certainly leveraging those partnerships as well. There's a lot of interest from ESA, from JAXA, um, really, and, and even some emerging mm -hmm. space agencies as well. Yeah, so ESA is the European Space Agency and JAXA is the Japanese Space Agency. So indeed, they have been tremendous partners with us on Space Station. And, and now as we develop this gateway that will go to the moon, we'd like to have them along with us. Well, this is just really the start of, I think, a, just a tremendously exciting program with, the, with small landers, larger landers, rovers, and in communication capability at the Gateway. And as you mentioned, with the arm and the ability for the Gateway to grab samples, this then opens up the opportunities to bring samples back from all kinds of places on the moon. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, upcoming era of really deep exploration of the moon. Uh, the samples that come back will then be brought home in the Orion capsule uh, with the astronauts, just like we did with the Apollo program. And I don't know if you knew this, but we brought about 850 pounds of lunar material back mm -hmm. from those six Apollo missions that made it to the surface. You know, and, and speaking of that, Jim, we're, we're about to uh, announce um, some awards on what we call the uh, Apollo Next Generation Sample Analysis. So there are some pristine samples that we still have uh, that we've been storing at the uh, curation facility at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. And we are going to award some grants to researchers that will open up a pristine sample and uh, what's interesting about that, because I visited the curation facility a couple of months ago, is that you know, we have a limited number That's of right. samples. We do. And so we've been very careful uh, and deliberate about opening up pristine samples and uh, making them available to researchers and so forth. Saving some for the future. Exactly. So yep. we, that's why we want to go back and we want to get samples because we had, what, six landings, right? And mm -hmm. we took samples from six locations, yeah, which were mostly equatorial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly equatorial. So there are so many other, you know, regions right. that we want to to pull samples and bring back and uh, and examine. Yeah, indeed. And, and this program provides the flexibility to go anywhere we want, including that far side. Mm -hmm. So that that's just fantastic. Well, you know, I've really enjoyed chatting about this program. It's just been a fantastic new effort here at NASA. It, it connects, I think, far more into our uh, commercial partners and international partners and really is generating a, a lot of excitement. But, you know, I always like to ask my guests, 
how they got involved in this, how they got into NASA. What was that person, place, or thing or activity that gave them a gravity assist? So, Steve, what was your gravity assist? Well, that's an interesting question. My dad was an Air Force pilot. Mm. And I recall he would bring home um, Aviation Week in Space Technology magazine. As a young child, I'd sit there and look at the pictures and... You know, so I'm going to age myself here. I'd look at the pictures from Gemini, right, and, <laughs> and Apollo. And and then as I got older and the moon landing started, right, I, mm-hmm. I would watch every hour while the landings would be televised live back yeah, to Earth. Right. And it could be in the middle of the night. Yeah. My parents yeah. allowed me to stay up even during school nights. Yeah. And I was just transfixed watching History. the, the astronauts was made. and mm-hmm. listening to yeah. what they were doing and what they were finding and what they were discovering. And with my dad being an Air Force pilot and being around aircraft and then uh, the whole watching the space program grow and going to the moon, um, I knew then that I wanted to be a part of aerospace in some, some aspects, either you know designing airplanes or space. And that really led me to know that I wanted to get an engineering degree, and, and which I did. And then I was uh, lucky enough to have an opportunity to join the space shuttle program down at the Kennedy Space Center back in 1984, and it was a dream come true. And you've been with NASA ever since. It's been fantastic. This is a very exciting time. Um, certainly have had many exciting times throughout my career, but but uh, this is unique, and, and I think uh, this is it, it's fun, and I'm excited to see where we go. Well, this has been a blast. I've really been delighted to chat with you. I'm delighted, too, that you're involved in this program and that you're leading this effort with CLIPS and really starting a new way of looking at how we uh, do business in space and bringing many more companies and and hopefully much more of the public along for the ride. So, Steve, thanks so very much. Well, thank you for having me, Jim. I enjoyed it. My pleasure. Join me next time as we continue our exploration of the moon. I'm Jim Green, and this is your Gravity Assist.